Thank you so much for tuning in to the Providence Community Podcast. We just, we pray today that God would do amazing things in your heart as you listen to this message. And uh, we ask for just the richest blessing on your family. And if you would like some more information about Providence Community Church, you can go to www.providencecommunity.org, or you can also download our app in the App Store. We're so thankful that you tuned in, and uh, we can't wait to celebrate all that God does in your life. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Praise God. Amen. Certainly a sweet, sweet presence in the house today. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Phil Albert. It's always an honor. It's always a pleasure. It's not something I take lightly. I'm just so honored to have the opportunity this morning to share the love and the Word of God with you. Amen. You know, there's a sweet presence here. You know, I want to just thank the worship team for ushering us into the presence of God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of His people. So as we authentically worship the Lord, David, so good to see you, buddy. The Bible says that He comes and He inhabits that praise. The Bible also teaches when two or more gather in his name, the Bible says what? There will he be. Amen. There will he be. See, the Spirit of the Lord's here today, not necessarily because you sense him, even though you may. The Lord's here today because he said he would be. And we always count it a privilege to be in the presence of God. And I'm trusting, as always, when I have the opportunity to share God's word, that the Holy Spirit might say one or two things to you today that you'd be able to embrace, you'd be able to apply it to your life, that the quality of your life would be affected and improved as a result of being here. You could have been a lot of places, but you came to honor and to worship the Lord. And anytime you assemble and anytime you see when two or more gather, when the Holy Spirit comes, we should expect to hear from him. We should expect to hear from God. So the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. So we always uh, come with a high expectancy. Amen? And I'm expecting something uh, always good to happen. Amen? Let me share with you. Let me, again, uh, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will speak to some of you today or all of you in some fashion. I know a number of years ago, um, I know a number of years ago, I was sharing. I had opportunity to, to preach and teach on a regular basis, and the people would come up afterward and say, man, I just needed that. That was such a great word. I just needed that. And then they would tell me, and it had nothing to do with what I said. Another person would do the same thing. Three, four people would come that day and tell me how the Lord spoke to them. It had nothing to do with what I said. So as you prepare your heart, and you ask the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to you, because we all have need and the Holy Spirit is more than enough. Amen? How many know, let me ask a question, how many know that life is choice-driven? Right? Life is choice-driven. You get around me for any period of time, uh, and after a short period of time, you're going to realize that I'm going to have a lot to say about choices and also uh, renewing of your mind. Because if your mind doesn't get it, we don't get it. The Bible tells us actually in Romans, I believe, uh, 725, Pastor, that we serve the Lord with our mind. 
So we, we consciously, and throughout the scripture, again, my people perish for lack of knowledge. I mean, God wants us to know. So that what I'm saying to you, that life is choice-driven. Life is choice-driven. We were having lunch, Kay and I were having lunch with our, uh, our son and his family uh, last week, or just a couple of days ago, I guess, and it's usually their custom. They kind of have dessert at the end of the day with, as a family. And, uh, but Gavi, who's seven, uh, right after lunch, he said, uh, could I have dessert now? And of course, Christian and uh, Angela said, well, Gav, you could have it now, but when the family's having dessert later, he kind of scrunched his face around like, hmm, it was a choice, right? It was a hard decision. Am I going to have it now or am I going to have it later? Life is choice driven. And if you want tomorrow to be better than today, you have to make better choices today. It's almost as simple as that. Regardless of your station in life, where you find yourself today is a result of choices you made yesterday, and where you find yourself tomorrow will be determined by the choices you make today. You know, God put Adam and Eve in a garden. He said what? Choose. God took the children of Israel out into the desert. He said, I'm calling all heaven and earth to record this day against you. He said, I put blessing and cursing, life and death in the earth. Choose life that you and your seed shall live. You know, bless you. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus appeared to 500 of his followers right after the resurrection. And then just prior to his ascension, he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for that marvelous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 380 had a better idea because the Bible tells us on the, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, how many were there? 120. 380 people chose to ignore what Jesus had to do, but 120 chose to do what God had called them to do. In the book of Genesis in chapter 12, the Bible says that God says to Abraham, if you're ever going to be the man I called you to be, if you're going to fulfill your destiny, you're going to have to get up from your place of blessing and go to a place that I will show you. You know, the Bible records that, that Abraham was 75 years old. He's living in this lush valley. He's got 318 serv male servants. He's got 25,000 head of cattle. He's got protection on every side. He's 75 years old. But if you're going to fulfill your destiny, Abraham, you're going to have to choose you're going to have to get up from your place of blessing and go to a place that I will show you. Amen? I recall also in the Bible, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, choosing, there's that word again, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. The Bible says that Ruth left her native land. Right? She said to her mother, Naomi, right, where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She chose. It's interesting, and listen to this, in the Old Testament, the most common word for to choose is Bahar. It appears over 172 times in the Old Testament. It connotes a careful choice, a decision reached after a matter has been looked at very carefully. In the New Testament, the most Greek word for to choose is fellow. 
It appears, Pastor, 208 times in the New Testament. Once almost every chapter. See, God is wanting us to choose. Not only wanting us to choose, but to choose rightly. He wants us to take responsibility for our life. James writing to Jewish believers, he says in James 1.21, he says, receive the engrafted word of God that's able to save your soul. Able to save. Most of our challenges, most of our warfare is where? In your soul, in your mind, in your thought process, in your will, in your emotions. And God's word says, receive the engrafted word of God that's able to save your soul. You see, the word receive there is take that which is being offered to you. Take that which is being offered to you. Life is being offered to you, but you're still going to have to choose to receive it. But James is saying it's not the word you hear that saves you. It's not the word you hear that delivers you or heals you. It's the word that becomes one with your thoughts. See? That's how you got saved. Right? That's how you got saved. You, you heard about Jesus for a long time, but one day you heard. And that word became one with your thoughts. Amen? You heard someone preach about you must be born again. How many believe you must be born again? Yeah, you must be. There was five hands there. I don't know, man. I don't know who I'm preaching. I don't know who I'm preaching to. You know, five hands go up when you say, "How many know you must be born from above, Hallelujah, to enter the kingdom of God." Amen. Makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? If you're born again, if you're not, Amen. You see, the Bible's replete with people who made decisions or who made choices. And I believe the Bible's more a book about making choices or decisions than, I, than it is about destiny. And if you have your Bible this morning, you can open to the uh, book of Joshua in the Torah there. You could open up to Joshua, and we'll look at Joshua 1 for, for a second. Um, just talking about choices there for a moment, but... You know, God comes to Joshua in Joshua 1. He comes to Joshua, and he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, what? Arise. Therefore, arise. And the word, <clears throat> excuse me, the word arise there is not a suggestion. In the, in the original language, it's a command. It's an imperative. And God says, arise. Right? He tells him to arise. But Joshua's still going to have to choose to do what God is calling him to do. Is that right? You see, basically, God wants Joshua to finish what Moses began. And now God could have said a lot of things to entice him. He could have said, I'll make you the greatest preacher. I'll make you the greatest warrior. I'll gift you with supernatural giftings. But look what he says in Joshua 1. Four times, here's what he says. He says, don't be afraid, but to have courage. Four times, he says, don't be afraid, but to have courage. In verse 6, he says, have courage for the people. In verse 7, he says, Joshua, have, have courage for you, for your sake. Then in verse 9, he says, have courage for the, rebel, uh, for the Lord's sake. 
And then verse 18, God says to Joshua, don't be afraid, but have courage for the rebel's sake. Four times for four different reasons. Amen? You see, God says to Joshua, remember he says, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. But you're still going to have to trust me. You're still going to have to choose to believe me. And you're still going to have to have courage to do what I tell you to do. See, verse 6, he says, don't be afraid, Joshua, but have courage for the people's sake. He's saying, my people are depending on you, Joshua, to lead them where they've never been before, to take them to a place they know nothing about, and take them on a path, go in a direction they've never gone before. See, God may be speaking to us. I know he is speaking to us. He's saying, there are people in our lives, people in your life, people in my life, depending on us to have courage, to be bold, Amen? Depending on us to be that man or woman that we profess to be. God says, be strong, be courageous for the people. Those people around you are looking for an example to model the way for those entrusted to you. The greatest form of unconscious learning is modeling. The greatest form of unconscious learning is modeling. People do what people see. Amen? People around you are looking for authenticity. They're looking for the real thing. And it takes courage to be real. Amen? It takes courage to be real. See, there's a challenge ahead of you, Joshua. So be strong, be courageous for the people, but then in verse 7, be strong for you. Be strong for your sake. See, God has equipped you. It doesn't matter what you've been through or what you've come from. God has prepared you for the hour in which we live. Everything Joshua went through, all the adversity, all the setbacks, God was preparing him for that hour. You see, God comes to Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, Joshua, arise. Arise. Now, we could understand maybe that Joshua now might be a little concerned about answering the call. Because a lot has changed in the last 40 years. Amen? See, 40 years ago, a lot has changed. 40 years ago, there were three giants in the land. The Bible says the land was inhabited by the sons of Anak. And the Bible records that Anak had three sons. Now, I know those guys were huge. I know they were probably ugly. And I know they were probably intimidating. And they could cause fear to rise in your heart, right? But think about it. Three giants, Ethan. Three giants, right? Three Discouraged 2.5, maybe 3. I've read as maybe as 4. I've even read as maybe as 5 million people from going into a land that God had already given to them. So you remember in Leviticus, the Bible says that, he says, uh, you already possess the land. 
Just go in, he says. The land is yours. Just go in and possess it. Just go in. Three giants discourage maybe five million people from entering into what belonged to them. Remember, Joshua and Caleb, was, they were ready to go. Remember that? They said, oh, man, we're, we're, we're more able. We're able to do this. The other ten said, no, man, we're not. We're not, man. Did you see those guys, how big they were? No, we're not. We're not able. Remember, they said, we're, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And so we were in theirs. And, you know, the truth is, the giants really never saw any of the 12 spies, did he? No. No, they didn't see any of them. That's another lesson. But how you see yourself is how others will see you. And so it's so huge to know where you come from and who you are. Amen. But here it is 40 years later. 40 years later. And the giants have multiplied in the land. The Bible says there are giants on every mountain. Things are different. The challenge now is much greater. Amen. See, what faced, what faced Caleb, Joshua, the other 10, 40 years ago, it's a lot different. It's a lot different for Joshua. It's a lot different for the people and the people's families. Think about it. 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Things that confronted us as a people as a nation, or things that confront us today, or the things that confront our children today, or the things that confront our families today. Amen. It's a new day. Amen. What's God saying? Don't be afraid, but have courage. See, there were things we should have took care of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, last month, last week but at some point we have to rise up and God is saying don't be afraid but have courage you see it's a new day you know 40 years ago the average Christian went to church two times a week believed the Bible to be the word of God and the standard for living today that same person is called a right-wing fanatical and the previous administration called us a threat the national security. It's a new day. Amen. See, what God says to Joshua, see, but he's saying to us, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, but have courage. And what God says to Joshua, and uh, in verse 8 of Joshua 1.8, what he says to Joshua, he's saying to you and me today. Don't be afraid, but have courage. He says, here is the strategy, Joshua. Here's the game plan. Here's how we're going to do it. Don't let my word depart from your mouth. Don't let my word depart from your mouth. Meditate on my word day and night. Observe to do all that I say. And then your way, see, and then, <clears throat> and then your way will be prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Don't let my word depart from your mouth. Meditate. The word meditate in Hebrew is the word haga. 
It means to mutter. It means to whisper. Pastor Phillips said whisper. He said whisper. See, the word meditate means to whisper under your breath. It means to speak to oneself. We all know how to mutter. And usually it's negatively, but we all know how to. We mutter a lot about a lot of things. But God is saying, I want you to mutter my word. Amen. You see, meditating God's word will always help you to overcome. Meditating God's word is the determining factor in living an overcoming life. See, if you were to ask me, you would say, Coach, uh, what were some of the things, after coming to Christ, what were some of the things, what are the things that actually helped you or are helping you today to live your walk with the Lord? What are some of the things that actually helped you in overcoming or able to walk this out over the last 40 years? I would say without hesitation, right, we say here receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls it the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Also, practicing and meditating God's Word which causes faith when you're meditating, when you're muttering God's word, when you're saying back to God what God is saying to you, it causes faith to rise in your heart, which gives you the courage to act on what God says. You see, too often we spend too much time talking or muttering about our circumstance or our situation, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, what you say, the power of life and death is in the tongue, and they that indulge in it shall eat the fruit thereof. You see, we're going to eat the fruit of what we talk about. Amen? And we'll talk to as many people about our circumstance or situation who will listen. Amen? And I don't want to minimize, and believe me, I don't want to minimize anything that you may be experiencing or going through, but I do want to put some tools in your hands. I mean, I was thinking, if you look at the Apostle Paul, I marked the Apostle Paul in, in, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse, let's say, 8 and 9. Here's what, you know, God says, uh, you know, Paul says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted, but not shaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Amen? Amen. The Apostle Paul did not have an easy life. If you read in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 11, verses 22 to 29, Paul mentions just a several things that he endured or that he suffered for the sake of the gospel. Right? He says, five times I received 39 stripes, three times beaten with rods, three times shipwrecked, once stoned. I remember one time, another time, he was snake-bitten, a day and a night out in the deep. And, and, and he goes on and on. Go read it at some point. Read 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 29 and see all that the apostle Paul had suffered for the sake of the gospel. But look at, what Paul, look at Paul's response and what he wrote to the church in 2 Corinthians 4, same chapter in verses 17 and 18. He said, for our light affliction, 
is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. In other words, they're subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. But the Apostle Paul saying, all that I've endured, all, of it, all that I've suffered, everything I've gone through, I call it light affliction, and it's going to work for me. It's going to work for me. He said, because the things I'm going through, the circumstances I'm experiencing are temporal. They're subject to change. You see, Paul is saying, if we get a vertical perspective on every situation, on every circumstance, if I get a vertical perspective, I can, it gives me the ability to see God to see what the Lord is saying. Because as, as long as we look through the horizontal window, all we can see is what's in front of us. All we can see is that job, all we can see is lack of money, all we can see is what's going on with the family, all we can see is that job, all, it's all we can see. God said, Paul says, get a vertical perspective. Because as long as you look through that horizontal window, all you can see is what's going on in front of you. Amen? See, everything Paul went through, he called it light affliction. Paul is saying, all the things that confronted me, all the things I'm suffering, all the things that I'm enduring, he said, are going to work for me. They're going to work for me if I don't look at it, if I don't rehearse it. Amen? If I don't look at it, if I don't rehearse it. You see, whatever challenges you this morning, be reminded that God's Word says in Hebrews 1, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 1, he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I want to take a little time, and I, don't want you, I, don't, I just don't want you to trust me on it or believe me on it, but if you take a little word study on that, you'll find that faith there, now faith, Philip, is the substance of of things hoped for. That word faith there is the word of God. Now just put that in your mind, put that in your thought process for a second. Now the word of God is the substance of things hoped for. It's the thing I sink my teeth into. It's the thing I hold on to. It's the substance of what I'm believing God for. That word hoped is not like wish. That word hope is translated earnest expectation. Now let's say it. Now the word of God, now the word of God, now the word of God is the substance of what I earnestly expect to come to pass. Amen? And then what does he say? Now faith again, now faith, the word of God again, is the evidence of things not seen. Amen? And let me tell you this, the word evidence there is translated confirmation. Confirmation. Now let's read it. Now the word of God, the thing I sink my teeth into, the thing I hold on to is the confirmation of what I can't see. Amen? Amen? And that's why Paul says what I'm going through is light. This is light affliction while I don't look at it, while I don't talk about it. And it's going to work for me Amen. Because I'm not looking at the thing that's subject to change. I'm looking at the eternal thing. I've got a vertical perspective. 
and I know this thing is going to work for me. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen? See, the, the word of God now is the confirmation of what I can't see or I don't have at the moment. You know, when I was, um, when I was working for the Chargers, I just thought of this uh, example. When I was working for the Chargers, uh, I was, it, this, this particular day, I was on the East Coast, and I left at 5.30 p.m. in the afternoon, and I flew direct to San Francisco. I was going that weekend. I was going to scout the Cowboy and the 49er game. And so I leave here at 5.30 in the afternoon on the East Coast. I arrive in San Francisco at 8.30 Pacific time. So my body time is what? 11.30, right? But I've been up all day working, travel cross country, little tired, but anybody been to San Francisco, if you go to Northern California in the winter, the high temperature and the low temperature are pretty much the same. So if it's high 55 in the day, it's about a high 50 or something in the evening. Not much difference. And it rains a lot in Northern California in the winter. So to make a long story short, I knew the, I knew the airport was under construction also because I'd been there several times earlier that year. And uh, you had to take the bus to where the rental cars were and uh, so anyway, I get off the plane, da da da, whatever, get to the ground transportation, have to walk, I'm out in the rain now. Obviously, I don't have an uh, umbrella. I mean, who carries an umbrella, right? But I don't have one. Kay's always telling me, take the umbrella. I don't want it, you know, the umbrella, you know. Uh, so I don't have an umbrella. Uh, so I got to walk, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile to this bus. Now I'm wet, now I'm cold, got my bag, I'm irritated, and a lot of other things. Uh, but now, my, you know, now it's about midnight body time. So finally, now you get on a crowded bus. I'm standing, actually. I got my bag. I'm wet. I'm cold, irritated. Drive. We get to the rental place. And uh, now I've got to make my way to Avis. Get there. Line, obviously, long, huge. I get in line. After about a half hour, literally, maybe longer, I get to the window. Don't even talk to the lady. Give her my wizard card. Throw it on her like... She takes my wizard, you know, she, she looks at me, Mr. Albert, uh, I'm sorry, we don't have a car for you. I said, no way, no, 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 no. I said, you got it. I said, you got a car for She says, no, hi, I'm sorry. And she says, we don't have any cars. We're all sold out. And uh, I said, there's no way. I said, I, I says, I rent with you every week. She said, I know, I'm looking at your history right here. You rent every week, but you didn't rent this week. And people behind me now, they're getting irritated. Hey, buddy, get out, you know, get out of the way, you know, do what you have to do. She's even telling me, you know, step aside. Or what. I said, hold on. So I stop, I get into my bag, and I pull out this piece of paper, and I hand it to her, and I say, there's my confirmation number. So she looks at it again. She says, well, please step to the side there. We'll have a car for you. We don't have any, but we're going to have one for you in a couple minutes. And normally every week I would just rent a compact or a mid-size, no big deal, just getting around. I stand over there, up comes this Coupe de Ville. I said, well, <laughs> glory to God, amen? Okay. Well, just think if I wouldn't have the confirmation number. Guess what would have happened? No car, right? No confirmation. No car. But because I had the confirmation and even though they didn't have any cars, I got the car. Amen? 
And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're suffering or experiencing some lack. Go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. Go to Philippians 4.19. Look, look at the confirmation. The devil says, you're not going to get it. You don't have enough. You say, oh, no, devil, right here. My God shall supply all my need. Amen. Amen. Right here. Maybe it's health. Go to your confirmation. Isaiah 53, 5. He himself bore my sickness, carried my infirmity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. I have the confirmation. Doesn't matter what the devil says. Maybe something going on at work. Go to Isaiah 54. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, I'm going to condemn. I'm going to shut it down. Maybe your children. Go back to Isaiah. My children are taught of God. Great is their peace. You see, if you have the confirmation, it doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter whether you're held in it. Because you know, that situation is temporal. It's subject to change. Amen. See, as long as you continue to look through the horizontal window, all you'll see is what's in front of you. And as long as we continue to rehearse it, talk about it, and fret over it, that situation won't work for you. Actually, it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Amen? What does Paul say about things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God? cast them down. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. The apostle says, cast down all imaginations, all arguments, all speculations, and all high and lofty opinions that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. And then bring into captivity, harness every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm just coaching you a little bit. Because, like I said, I just want to put some tools in your hands. Too often we just hear a message and it's just a message. And that's what God says. Don't let my word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Observe to do all that I say. Then your way will be prosperous. Then you'll have good success. And so, so God says, now that I have your attention, Joshua, I want you to be strong for the people. I want, want you to be strong for you. Now I want you to be strong for the Lord. And I'm strong today because God is standing by my side. I'm strong today because greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. And I'm not only strong today because he's in me. I'm strong today because I represent his name. And because I represent his name, I have no right to be afraid. If God has told me to go, or to do, or to say, and I know it was him, then I have the courage to act. Then in verse 18, Joshua 1:18, God says, be strong. Don't be afraid, but be strong. Be courageous for the rebel's sake. You see, there's always going to be somebody who's going to come and have something to say. Amen. You start standing on the word of God. You start going to the confirmation. You start doing it the way God says to do it, and... You'll, people will come to oppose that choice, that decision. Who you've been listening to? Oh, you're going to one of those churches. Yes, 
I've been going to a Word Faith Church for the last 40 years, and it's faith. It's the Word of God that enables you to live above circumstance and situation. Amen. There's always going to, the devil's always going to have something to say. And if you're not speaking to your circumstance, I guarantee your circumstance is speaking to you. You remember the story in David and Goliath, right? Goliath, the Bible says, came out twice a day for 40 days and said the same thing. He comes out only to defy the people of God. And every time he came out, the Israelites ran back up the hill and jumped in their hole. Amen? But David, oh, David, right? David, man, David wasn't afraid. He said, man, who is this Philistine, right? Who is this Philistine? He doesn't even have a covenant, right? And I know, he said, I know, just as God delivered me from the bear and the lion, I know he'll deliver this Philistine. Amen? See, the rebel always has something to say. But if you go to the confirmation and you're determined and you back him down with the word of God. I think it was Pastor Keith uh, a couple weeks ago, he alluded to, we alluded to Matthew 4, right? Jesus, Jesus is our example here. Jesus is not only the word, but he wrote the word and he confesses the word. Amen. The Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on him. As John baptized him, he gets anointed of God. His earthly ministry begins, and the Holy Spirit leads him where? Into the wilderness. After fasting 40 days, obviously he's hungry, but during those 40 days, he was being equipped as, God, as he fasted, as he prayed, and the devil comes to him and tempts him four times. What does Jesus say? It is written... It is written, it is written. He backed him down with the word of God. And that's how you back him down, with the word of God. When the devil rears his ugly head, when the devil has something to say, like I said, I know he's talking to you. When you get up in the morning, he's talking to you. When you go to bed at night, whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation might be. But you back him down with the word of God. Amen. If you leave today, and do nothing with this lesson. You, you, you don't do what God told Joshua in verse 8. What Paul instructs us in 2 Corinthians 4. Then all it will be is a good lesson. Or maybe not even that to you. It will just be another lesson. Amen. But go and practice the word of God. Let today be a defining moment in your life where today is the first day of the rest of your spiritual life when you start to live above circumstance situation. See, when we talk about seasons, a lot of the times, I'm going through this season, I'm going through that season. See, you, you give the devil permission to allow you to live an inconsistent life. We should be living going higher and higher. The noonday is, goes brighter and brighter from glory to glory. I'm not saying perfect. I'm not saying without circumstance. I'm saying by how we respond. It's our perception of and our response to whatever's happening in our life. Amen? Amen. Well, I thank God for the opportunity to share today. I trust the Holy Spirit maybe said one or two things. 
I think also today as the Holy Spirit comes to invade this space, maybe there's somebody here today who's never really asked Jesus to come into their life. Maybe you're here today and that was you. You really never asked Jesus to come into your life. Or maybe you did and uh, you, you said a prayer and maybe your life is still blessing and then forgiveness and then off the edge and you're just like a roller coaster. Just up one day, down the next. Just consider maybe, just consider maybe you've never repented. Maybe you've never repented. Opportunity to lift your voice to God. The Bible calls in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul calls it godly grief. True repentance is godly grief. Worldly sorrow is just I'm sorry. Like when you tell your children, tell your sister you're sorry, and she says, sorry. That's not repentance. Repentance is a godly grief. And it causes change. Amen. That's the first thing people will notice about your life when you've truly repented, that there's a change in behavior. So I thank God today for the opportunity to share. I thank God for the opportunity for those maybe who, who've never asked Jesus to come into your life. If, ask him now. Or maybe you want to recommit your life. Do that now. But Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be with your people. And as we all stand right now and be, prepare yourself to be dismissed, stand in the presence of God. You know, the Bible tells us, God said to Moses, God said to Moses, Tell this to Aaron. Every time the people gather, every time the people gather, have them lift their right hand and pray this prayer over them. So I want to pray a blessing on you. It's not my prayer. It's God's prayer. It's God's word. He said every time they gather, pray this blessing over the people. So as we raise our right hand, I pray the Lord would bless you with the blessings of Abraham. The Lord would keep you from all financial, physical, and emotional harm. The Lord would make his face to shine upon you. The Lord would bless you and be gracious to you. The Lord would bless you with a spirit of favor. And the Lord would continue to give you his marvelous peace. And then God's word says, because he knows you, he said he'd do it. So receive that blessing today. Go in the name of the Lord. Hug somebody.